If you are looking to elevate your leadership and drive your nonprofit forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits newsletter. Every week, I curate exclusive shareworthy content that sparks inspiration, innovation, and conversation. From the latest trends to timeless advice, the weekly email newsletter is your all-access pass to a treasure trove of resources. But receiving the newsletter is not just about staying informed. It's also about getting our best content first. Subscribers get first access to our newest downloadable templates designed to propel your leadership and amplify your impact. And that's not all, my friend. We are constantly working on new ways to support you and your mission. So as a subscriber, you'll get updates on our latest projects, opportunities to participate in surveys, and a say in the topics that we tackle next. You will essentially get me as a consultant, coach, and confidant in your inbox, ready to help you navigate the challenges of nonprofit leadership. So if you're an executive director, board chair, or a nonprofit leader who believes in making a difference, join me as a newsletter subscriber. Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg, with our annual New Year's episode. Let me start this episode by saying how grateful I am that you choose to be on this podcasting journey with me. When I launched the podcast almost 40 episodes ago, I had no idea the impact it would have on listeners and certainly no idea how it would change and shape my own life as well. Bringing this podcast to you is a labor of love, and it's my way of giving back to the nonprofit sector where I have pretty much spent my entire career. Since you listen to this podcast, I would be willing to bet that you and I have a lot in common. We both work and volunteer in the nonprofit sector. We are probably both relatively progressive and passionately committed to making the world a better place. You know what else, though, that you and I have in common? We each have 366 days in this leap year, and each day holds the promise of moving us forward of advancing our careers, our cause, and our families. So what are you going to do with that 366-day package that you've been given? While most of us start the year with fresh hopes, ideas, and resolutions, we quickly abandon them. In fact, earlier this year, USA Today published an article that reported that January 17th, is the day that most people will abandon their resolutions and revert to old habits. Sometimes busy and forgetful combine with shorter, darker winter days to derail us, while other times we just lose enthusiasm when the resolution's newness wears off. So for this New Year's episode, I wanted to share some ideas for making your resolutions a reality in 2020 so that you can look back a year from now with a sense of accomplishment after achieving your goal. And by the way, you may have heard me call resolutions a goal in the opening minutes of this podcast, because that's really all a resolution is. 
Having goals is critical to us accomplishing anything in our lives, and we all have a lot of experience in setting and achieving goals. Now, we also have a lot of experience in setting goals and giving up on them. And you know what? That means we're human. So let's dive in and have a conversation about how to set and achieve your annual goals or your New Year's resolution. Now, I always encourage my coaching clients to set three to five goals for their first year as a chief executive. These are high-level goals that you can use to determine whether or not you've had a successful year. So again, you have four or five of them, and if you can count them off on your hand at the end of the year and say you've done each one, fabulous, you've had an incredibly successful year. Now, some of my coaching clients, when I first broached this subject, will say to me that three or five goals doesn't feel ambitious enough for them. They want to have a dozen or even two dozen goals. But I've got to share with you that any more than five goals is really just a to-do list. In fact, not only should these goals be short and high level, but they should also be an indicator of achieving something, not the steps of getting there. As an example, if one of your resolutions this year is to be fitter, the goal might be to finish a half marathon or depending on your fitness level right now, maybe finish a 10K. If you want to increase your team's engagement and morale in your organization, your goal might be to lower attrition by 10%. It's also important as you're thinking about the indicator to measure your achievement, to not use a resolution that you've made multiple times but never achieved. If your resolution every year has been to get at least eight hours of sleep, yet you have never averaged more than five and a half hours of sleep each night, that might not be the best resolution for you. Instead, think about making it six or six and a half hours of sleep each night. Now that resolution might be doable and achievable for you. I also want one of my annual goals, and I always say this to my coaching clients as well, to be completely personal. For the new executive directors that I coach, I usually encourage them to commit to taking a two- or three-week vacation as a personal goal. Nearly every new ED will doubtfully agree to make this their fifth goal, usually saying that they have never taken a vacation this long and they don't think that they're going to need it. But, Six, eight, nine months later, when they are on the eve of that first two-week vacation, they often tell me that this was their most important professional goal. Because you see, they realize at that point, wow, I've kind of drained my gas tank and I need to refill my gas tank. And that's right. As with all things in our life, taking care of ourselves helps us be everything we're supposed to be at work, in the community, and at home. So at this point, let me share my goals for 2020, and I'm going to share them with you and note that it's a mix of personal and professional goals. So I actually only have four goals for 2020. The first is to be present for my husband on weekends and vacations. As I look back over the past year, I have not been as present with him on weekends and on one of our vacations than I really wanted to be. I allowed myself to get more distracted by work than is really healthy for me. And so for me, that's a clear goal. 
My second goal is to rework my consulting practice so that at least 60% of my work is virtual or in Atlanta, while still generating at least as much revenue as I did in 2019. Now, goal number two, frankly, is kind of related to goal number one. If I'm going to be more present for my husband on weekends, guess what? I should probably be home more weekends. So for me, that was kind of a no-brainer. I need to work on really restructuring my practice so that I'm able to do that. My third goal is to conduct an annual practice evaluation. I have evaluated individual engagements. I've even paid people to help evaluate my interim engagements once they've ended. But what I have never done is a full-on practice evaluation. I'm celebrating five years in 2020 as a nonprofit consultant, and it's time for me to take a step back and evaluate my practice, figure out what I'm doing really well, what I need to change, and really move forward into the future. And then my fourth goal actually relates to this podcast, and that's that I want to double podcast listenership by by the end of 2020. So those are my four goals. If I achieve those four things between now and the end of December, congratulations, I've had a great year. I'm going to look back and go 2020 was a phenomenal success. Of course, I've not only created these four goals, but I've also put together a project plan to achieve each of them. Now, my project plan is a simple one-page, 12-month calendar that only had six lines per month. So let me repeat that. It is on one page. It is not two, three, four, 12 pages long. Number two, it covers all 12 months of the year. And finally, for each month, I only have six very short lines that maybe five to eight words will fit on each. And so this forces me to be really succinct and to add those tasks and milestones that are critical for me achieving my four goals in 2020. Now, the other great thing is it keeps me from getting bogged down in minutia. And because it's short, it only took me about an hour to do. If you're interested in getting a blank copy of this simple one-page calendar that you can download and edit in Excel, then just visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com. I am going to post it in the show notes. And again, while it's in Excel, and I know some folks find Excel a little bit threatening, it is incredibly easy to edit. You're going to really enjoy this document. Now, once you've set those few realistic resolutions, and you have a simple plan for achieving them. Now gets to the tough part, actually making it happen. So I wanted to share with you some tips, tricks, and hacks that will help you on your way. In fact, I've got 11 of them. Now, they're all really different, and let me start by saying that you're not going to want to use all 11 of these hacks. Just as each of these hacks is different, Every human being is remarkably different. So some of these are going to speak to you and you're going to go, wow, that that could really help me. And others aren't going to speak to you. They won't fit into your life or your personality or really the way that you go about living through your days on a daily basis. So the very first tip is that habits keep and break resolutions. Let me tell you a quick story. Last June, I decided to stop drinking for a year. Frankly, drinking had just become a habit for me. I would get home every night or get back to my hotel room 
or the apartment that I was renting in another city and I would have a cocktail literally every single night. Now, while I thankfully didn't have any physical addiction to alcohol, that act of having a nightly mixed drink was a habit that was powerful and I knew I would miss. So I replaced the nightly cocktail with a seltzer water and a lime in a cocktail glass. So every single night I'd get home, I'd essentially keep following my same ritual. I would get a cocktail glass, I'd put some ice in it, I'd pour some seltzer in it, I'd squeeze, I'd slice a lime and squeeze some lime into it, and I would have a faux cocktail. And I have to tell you, that habit was incredibly important for me. And for about three months, every single night when I got back to my home or my hotel room or whatever apartment I was crashing in because I was in another city, that's exactly what I would do. And then one day, I got home, I pulled the limes from the fridge and thought, I don't want to go to this much trouble anymore. And I poured my seltzer into a glass with some ice, but did not squeeze the lime, did not slice the lime. Now, a few weeks later, I even stopped pouring my seltzer water into a cocktail glass and started drinking it from the can or the bottle that it came from. Now, I feel pretty confident that having a similar but healthier replacement habit was a bridge that I needed so that I could stop drinking for the year. So just think about how you can create habits that will support your resolution and think about what habits you already have and how you can create a bridge habit to get you from where you are right now to where you want to be a year from now. The second trick is to celebrate milestone moments. As you identify your annual plan, don't forget to identify the milestones that you will celebrate and reward yourself with along the way. Here's a quick example. If you're the CFO of your organization and your goal is to produce monthly financials by the 12th day of each month, how will you recognize and celebrate success when you've finished the first quarter of timely monthly financials? Here's another example. If you're a development director with the goal of calling every donor making a gift of $500 or more to personally thank them, Decide up front, decide now how you reward yourself at the end of the successfully completing the first month, the first quarter, and the first year. Now, let me also say a quick word about the things that we offer ourselves, both as incentive and a reward. Your reward should support continued achievement of the goal, not give you a break from making that goal a reality. In the example of the CFO, celebrating that first quarter of timely financials by giving yourself a break the next month undermines that goal. You had a streak going and now you broke it. But implementing bill.com or T-sheets or something like that as a reward that makes your life easier and supports the achievement of the goal, now that, that is a good reward. So here's a way that I used rewards in my own life. I started the second year of my consulting practice with a promise to buy myself a really nice Mont Blanc pen and pencil set if I had a six-figure year. I selected a beautiful set 
that would be quite an extravagant purchase for me. It cost almost a thousand dollars. And by the way, part of how I chose that is that's coincidentally the same price that I paid for my very first car. And I felt like at some level that was not just a good reward for me, but it also embodied the successful journey that I'd been on for years and years, that I had reached a point where once upon a time I had $1,000 in my pocket and I'd go buy an old junker car and now I have $1,000 in my pocket and I want to buy a really nice pen and pencil set. So that second year closed with my consulting practice having net revenue of $99,500. As they say on TV, close but no cigar. This was $500 short of my goal, and I didn't earn the reward. I actually had a brief moment where I thought, eh, is it close enough? Can I go ahead and buy the pen and pencil set? And I decided that no, I, I had to be a good parent to myself, and I had to say, Dolph, you didn't earn the reward. So I started the third year of my consulting practice with that same promise of the exact same pen and pencil set if I hit six figures. Now, by late summer, I had easily achieved my goal, and I was able to purchase the beautiful writing instruments that I'd spent over 18 months working for. I still have and use that pen and that pencil every day, and I feel special every time I pull either out to take a note, and that's true whether I'm sitting by myself at my desk or if I'm in a meeting and I pull it out. For me, it is a very real symbol of my successful journey as a nonprofit consultant. And also for me, this was perhaps the perfect reward for a job well done. Let me say, a fancy pen and pencil set may not be your thing. It may not be the perfect reward for you. But find the reward that motivates you and supports your continued success. The next hack, number three, is to get an accountability partner. Whether it's a friend, mentor, former colleague, or paid coach, it is critically important that you have an accountability partner. This is someone you can check in with to share your successes and your struggles. Someone who will challenge you without judging you. Who will help you brainstorm a way around obstacles while also letting you take the lead in finding solutions. And this is a person who is very safe to serve as your sounding board, who will allow you to talk through your obstacles and frankly, not tell you what to do, but allow you to identify the best solution for you. Of course, you'll want to share your annual resolutions or goals with your accountability partner and give them permission to ask you about them and challenge your answers. As you're thinking about finding an accountability partner, however, there are a few people in your life that you definitely want to avoid. You do not want to ask your spouse, your boss, or your board chair to serve as your accountability partner. Each of these folks already play a very important role in your life, and asking them to serve in this additional role as your accountability partner blurs the lines of your relationship in some pretty unhealthy ways. Now, if you've got a professional mentor who's not in the same organization as you, or if you've got a professional coach or someone like that, those are great folks to ask to be your accountability partner. 
The next hack I'm going to talk about sounds like a resolution in and of itself, but trust me, it's not. Hack number four is to get enough sleep. As nonprofit professionals, we so often walk around as zombies because of a lack of sleep. We think, oh, well, yeah, I can get by on four or five hours of sleep. It's all going to be okay. Well, guess what? We've been fooling ourselves. That is not true. Getting enough sleep and being well-rested is essential to achieving any goal or resolution that you may have. Getting enough sleep has so many benefits, such as enhancing and strengthening your willpower, and you got to have willpower to make a resolution happen. Sleeping also ensures that your memory and your mind are working well. When you get four hours of sleep, your memory and mind don't work very well. When you get seven or eight hours of sleep, they work a lot better. And then one of the final benefits is it improves your mood and makes you feel happier. Let me say that when I'm in a better mood, when I feel happier, I am always better able to achieve my goals. Now, I'm also, by the way, a lifelong insomniac. So I know that when I'm sharing with you, hey, it's important to get enough sleep, that sometimes that's really, really hard to do. And because I'm a lifelong insomniac, I've been on this interesting journey where there was a period in my life when I just gave up. I was like, okay, well, I'm I'm never going to get that much sleep. And I'll share with you, that was probably one of the most difficult periods of my life because I was always walking around sleep deprived. Now, I'm proud to say to you that 2019, not only was the year that I said, hey, I'm going to take a year or 12 month break from drinking, but also is the year that I figured out how to hack my sleep. I have gone from averaging about five hours of sleep a night to routinely getting six and a half to seven hours every single night. And let me share with you, the difference is incredible. I feel more rested, better prepared, frankly, better able to work with my colleagues and my clients. I really have to say, sleep is a game changer. Now, I feel so strongly about this that I'm actually working on a blog post about how I hacked my sleep. So be on the lookout for that in 2020. If you're an insomniac, you might find it really helpful. Now, the next trick is to make your resolution a priority. While this may seem obvious, it is essential that you make your resolutions a higher priority than other things in your life. Making your resolutions a priority means that you decide up front what might take precedent over that resolution. As an example, if you've resolved to work out three times a week this year, what are legitimate reasons for not following through one week? You might decide at the beginning of the year that being so sick that you have a fever, or maybe that week leading up to your nonprofit's big special event, or an out-of-town conference that's only two days long are good reasons why you can't keep the resolution for that week alone. But make those decisions very early in January. At what point are you going to say, okay, this came up and this is an acceptable reason why I can't work out three times this week? And now that you have that list of acceptable reasons, you can hold yourself accountable, and by the way, so can your accountability partner, when some other false priority seeks to take over your week and your life. Now, 
The sixth tip that I wanted to share is to calendar your resolution. Here's another example. I know many people who've made a resolution to reach email zero before going home each night. By the sixth or seventh day in the new year, however, that resolution is long forgotten because they did not schedule the 30 or 45 minutes at the end of every day to follow up on email and achieve the coveted inbox zero status. Because they didn't schedule reaching email zero before leaving the office at night, they let the crisis of the day sabotage their resolution. Or even worse, they sabotaged it themselves by scheduling meetings until the very end of the day and then ran out of the office. And now, if that's what they did to keep the resolution, it now means they've got to go home and try to go through all those emails while spending family time or personal time. Eventually, though, that was just too much for them. And instead of having that discipline, setting 30 or 45 minutes at the end of every day and really rolling through their email, they abandoned their resolution and accept that their email box would never, ever be empty. So again, figure out how you can calendar it, no matter what your resolution is, whether it's calling donors, improving staff retention and morale, whatever it might be, figure out how you can calendar it. Now, the seventh tip is know what you'll do when the going gets tough. Because let me share with you, the going always gets tough at some point. So there are two moments when a resolution is really easy. The first is at the beginning when you are enthusiastic. Oh my gosh, you're excited, you're enthusiastic, you you are feeling a tremendous amount of benefit from living your resolution during that first week. And then the other moment that is easy is toward the end when you're on autopilot and the behavior that supports that resolution is just a habit. But the going gets tough in the middle. After the first three or four weeks, that newness has typically worn off. The marginal benefits, that enthusiasm you felt has faded. And let me also say, you've not yet seen or benefited from the windfall that it comes only after months or even years of a habit. And it's in this very difficult middle period when a bad day, a headache, work demands, family responsibilities, or hey, let's face it, just laziness, because sometimes we're all lazy, will make an excuse for you. And at this point, some part of your brain will start talking yourself out of the resolution. Sometimes that starts with a trade-off. You think, I won't send donor thank you notes today, but we'll definitely do it on Monday and Friday next week. Other times, it's a get out of jail for free card. Your voice will say, I I won't send thank you notes this week, but it's the only week of the year that I won't send my thank you notes. Now, since you can be certain that this self-talk will happen, You can also prepare yourself for how your more disciplined and stronger self will respond. This is where it's important to know what motivates you. If you're genuinely motivated by a future reward, you might simply remind yourself of the reward that you would be giving up by not keeping your resolution. Others are motivated to action in order to avoid a loss or a punishment. 
if that's you, determine what you will give up if you don't stick to your resolution one week. Perhaps, as an example, you've decided to work the first federal holiday following any week when you don't stick to your resolution. And maybe having to work President's Day or Memorial Day will motivate you to do whatever is necessary to meet the goals of your resolution week in and week out. So if you're motivated by avoiding loss, think about that as you're putting together your plan for when the going gets tough. And finally, some people are motivated by external validation. And if this is you, just remind yourself what it will feel like to tell your accountability partner that you didn't achieve your resolution. Now, again, everyone is unique and motivated differently. And most of us are motivated by a mix of those three things. So know yourself and set up, really, some motivations that will get you through these difficult times. The eighth hack that I wanted to share with you, and this is critically important, is to remember that success is not forever and failure is not fatal. Consistently following your resolutions for a few days, a week, or even a month does not guarantee that you will stick with it throughout the year. So be certain to renew your commitment as frequently as you need to. And many of the hacks that I've described here are going to help you renew that commitment on a regular basis. But also, the flip side of that, don't forget that failure is not fatal. If you have a week where you don't stick to your resolution, okay, don't give up on pursuing your resolution just because you had that lapse, even if it was for a month. Forgive yourself for the lapse and figure out what you must do to get back on track with your resolution. And then a similar hack is to embrace failure, but also to learn from it. One of my very favorite Pat Conroy quotes is this, Losing is a fiercer, more uncompromising teacher, cold-hearted but clear-eyed in its understanding that life is more trial than game, more dilemma than fair play. Losing is just a fact of being human. We all lose sometimes. And while it's important to not let a lapse or a loss keep us from achieving great things, it is equally important to step back and examine why we didn't succeed. And it's in this self-exploration that we will gain insight, that we will become better able to manage ourselves and to achieve the success that we are looking for. As one of my mentors, Terry Stone, says, it's okay to make a mistake It's not okay to make the same mistake over and over. So when you have that bad week and you did not stick to your resolution, you've forgiven yourself, now think about what you learned from that week and take those learnings and move it into the next week. The tenth tip that I have for you is to use technology. I often say that we live in such a miraculous time With the one exception that we don't yet have flying cars, we enjoy essentially the same lifestyle as the Jetsons did. And by the way, they were supposed to be living in the year 2062. So we already enjoy a lifestyle that folks once upon a time thought we were not going to achieve for 42 more years. But as Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams says, 
why do we use 8-track technology in an iPhone age? So use the technology that we have in hand. Now, I've mentioned a number of hypothetical resolutions throughout this podcast, and I'm going to suggest just one technology hack that might help with each of these resolutions. If your goal is to get fitter this year, download a free app that will help track your progress. In my own life, I've used the app Map My Run and, of course, my Fitbit app to track my exercise. And you know the best part of that? You can reward yourself for consistency over an extended period of time by paying to unlock premium app features. Maybe you do that after your first month or your first three months of consistent behavior. But what a great reward that really supports your resolution. If your goal is to increase your team engagement and morale, your organization could implement CultureAmp. This cloud-based system will provide statistically valid measures of engagement and offer you specific tips on how you can increase that engagement. Now, like many people, your goal might be to get more sleep. As I already said, 2019 was the year that, hallelujah, I finally hacked my insomnia and my sleep. And I'll share with you that my Fitbit has been invaluable for supporting that because it tracks my sleep. Now, there are also cheaper alternatives to the Fitbit. So if you have a goal to save money and improve your sleep, you can probably do both. As I've already mentioned, some development directors will make a resolution to call every donor that gives over a certain amount, or maybe make a resolution to send donor thank you letters every single week. Now, obviously, you can schedule doing that in your digital calendar on Outlook or Apple Mail or whatever it is you use, but there's another technology hack. You can also create a query in your CRM to push that information directly to your inbox And guess what? You can tell it to do it on a regular basis just minutes before you've scheduled it in your calendar. So if it's scheduled at 3 o'clock every Friday, at 2.55, boom, it appears in your inbox. And now it's a second great reminder, and you don't have to go find the information, your donor data. All you got to do is pull it out of your inbox and make your resolution a reality. So very early I in the podcast, I described a CFO who was bound and determined to close the books and produce financials by the 12th day of each month. That CFO might want to consider apps like Expensify, T-Sheets, and Bill.com that will streamline their documentation and make it even easier to close the books by the 12th day of every month. So you get the picture. Think about the technology available to you. Look for apps that automate your reminders, gather information for you, make it easier for you to do the task, recognize when you are on a streak, or serve as a digital accountability partner. So here is my last tip. And by the way, I have saved the best tip for very last. The final way to turn your resolution into a reality is to make it a lifestyle. You make your resolution a lifestyle when you devote a portion of your bandwidth and your bank account to achieving that resolution. So you can join a group or association of like-minded people and participate in that group in real time. You can also consider joining online communities on Reddit, LinkedIn, or Facebook that are geared to your very specific resolution. 
And the absolute best way to make your resolution a lifestyle is to tell the world about your journey through a blog, a podcast, or a YouTube channel that is dedicated to your specific resolution. I promise you that going out every week or every other week or every month with a blog post detailing your progress or a podcast episode detailing your progress will be the best accountability partner you could ever have. And of course, you should also consider engaging a coach who can help you meet your goals. It is always a good idea to have a coach. Professional athletes have them, and so should you. So those are the 11 tips, tricks, and hacks for achieving your New Year's resolutions. While not all of these 11 are going to work for you, I hope that you have found some inspiration and some hacks for achieving your resolutions this year. I also hope that you will share your resolutions as well as your plan for achieving them on our Facebook page and in our LinkedIn group. So I've already shared my four big resolutions with you. As I look out over my 12-month plan, which again, you can download from SuccessfulNonprofits.com, you can download a blank template so you can do that plan yourself. But as I put together my 12-month plan, I've got some big things in store for the podcast and for SuccessfulNonprofits.com website over the coming year. And I look forward to sharing those with you as they roll out. That's why I hope that you will connect with me by signing up for our email newsletter. We never sell, trade, or swap our email list, and I am committed to never spamming you either. You can easily sign up for the list at SuccessfulNonprofits.com. Thanks for listening to our 2020 New Year's episode. I am wishing you a year of personal and professional fulfillment. And of course, I hope you've gained some insight to help your nonprofit thrive in a competitive environment. I am not an accountant or attorney, and neither I nor the Goldberg Group provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. This material has been provided for informational purposes only, is not intended to provide, and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or accounting advice. Always consult a qualified, licensed professional about such matters.